Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Welcome to Weed and Grub Spotlight Series, everyone. Yeah, this is a series where we talk with companies and brands that we believe in. People making the world a better place. That's what's up, right? Yep. It's everything. Enjoy this episode. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? I'm so happy. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. We have dynamite guests today. We sure do. Hi. Hi. Hello. We are here with Madison and Shelby, who have launched Double Blind. I should say your whole names, actually. Can you say hello in your full name so so everyone knows your voice? Hi, uh, Madison Margolin. And I'm Shelby Hartman. Okay, Double Blind. Tell us about the launch. So we launched at the beginning of June at two different conferences, the World Ayahuasca Conference in Spain, which was absolutely incredible. And I have to give a shout out to ICERS, the NGO that threw that, and Queering Psychedelics, which was thrown by Shakruna in the Bay Area. That was the first conference ever highlighting queer voices in the psychedelic community. And since then, we launched officially to the public, and our issues are available online and in bookstores. So we're very excited. What was the what was the conversation that sparked this venture? Um, so Shelby came to town in December from uh, New Orleans, and she said, "Let's go to Gracias Madre and get dinner." And so she proposed the idea of this, you know, magazine on psychedelics that came to her while she was meditating. Do you want to? Tell that story. I was literally sitting on my meditation pillow in my apartment in New Orleans and the idea just sort of beamed down into my head and I'd always wanted to start a magazine and I'm really passionate about psychedelics and it's obviously with Michael Pollan's book and the Joe Rogan experience and all these other sort of psychedelic media platforms that are popping up a good time for something like this Mm -hmm. so it just felt right and I knew immediately that I wanted Madison to be my partner in the venture so I just got up off my pillow and I walked over to my desk and I called her and I said hey I have an idea and she said sweet last December yeah pretty much yes December 2018. I feel like in the world of publishing, magazines, writing, pulling any project together, that feels like an avalanche timeline. Like that must have like an idea into an entire launch from December to June seems wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. Your eyes are, your eyes all like you have wide eyes. (laughs) It was wild. I mean, right before, um, not right before, right after I had the idea for double blind, one of the coordinators of the World Ayahuasca Conference contacted me out of the blue and said, hey, do you want to do some writing on ayahuasca for the conference? And I said, yes. And also, I just had this idea to launch a magazine and maybe we can partner together somehow. And the conference was happening in June. So it just sort of lit a fire (laughs) under our asses to make it happen, which was a good thing ultimately because Mm -hmm. It was like a deadline, and we had to have a product, like a physical magazine, by the time of this conference. When did it go to press to be available for June conference time? 
beginning of May, I think. Beginning of May, yeah. So you really pulled it together in four months. Yeah. Yeah. We, wow. I guess, officially started, like, late January, early February. Oh, so three months. Yeah. February, <laughs> yeah, yeah, March, yeah. April. Yeah, by the end of April, we were basically wrapped. Wow. Right. I mean, also, you know, we had no resources and no staff and, um, you know... So what is it, a genie? You find a genie? Yeah, we found a magazine genie. Cool. To help us. <laughs> That's amazing. So, I mean, just looking at the table of contents, like you've, you're obviously both huge contributors. And where, like, I, the masthead is basically you and a team of four, five people? We it's have a small, pretty, small team. Um, small but not, mighty, Not right? everyone on our team is on that masthead. So. Okay. Yeah, we have social media strategists, someone on video, someone who's interested in doing podcasts for us. So we have a team that's expanding as people are getting more excited about what we're doing and um, want to work with us. But it's, I mean, it's still small. Madison and I are really lucky because we know a lot of really talented people who really believe in us and believe in this vision. And so the first shout out has to go to our creative director, David Good. He is my best friend from college. Mm. He's like, you know, my soulmate friend till I die and also an incredible designer and basically made a magazine out of nothing. I mean, we put the stories together and found all the writers who are our dear friends who are passionate about psychedelics and said, money or no money, we're in. Mm -hmm. You know, but he was the one who actually found all the art and found and made the logo and helped us put it into something that people are picking up and going, wow, this is actually a magazine. The style. Like the style. Exactly. The whole exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How did you two meet? We met in college in an Italian language class. <laughs> and I will say I love it. that um, he, uh, he and I always dreamt of starting a magazine together. And um, so it's really special to me to have him involved. And of course, we tripped together in college. So that's special too. Mm -hmm. um, is that the unifying thing that everyone likes psychedelics because you've all tripped? Or is it sort of, is there just an advocacy and allyship in some of it? What's the unifying thread that pulls it all together? Uh, that you kind of care about the soul of humanity. <laughs> uh, no, but on, seriously speaking, yeah. like I think that like whether it is serious. No, uh, yes, right? no. Seriously, like psychedelics are a way to sort of focus on like to, what like we Shelby and I have asked this question like what does it mean to be well and like where do psychedelics fit into that conversation? So if you've if you've had a psychedelic experience, you know everyone I've talked, you know there's no way to like casually go about that, right? Like even if you're not a quote unquote psychedelic person, if you've tripped before or had some sort of experience like you probably hold that very dear to your heart regardless and then people who haven't who are still interested in the mind or in questions of social equity or environmental justice and how is like the ayahuasca industry affecting the environment in south america and all these other questions that psychedelics are sort of a window into exploring so it's not like when we talk about this as a magazine about psychedelics it's not just about psychedelics like Right. It's about all these other things. But I really think of this as being tied to when you talk about the wellness of South America and, you know, what's happening with the, the planet. It feels like psychedelic research is so tied. Like the reason that it's coming to the forefront maybe is because the whole earth needs it. Mm -hmm, definitely. It's interesting because if you sit in an ayahuasca ceremony in the United States, 
something that's very common is that before you drink the ayahuasca, they'll go around and they'll ask everyone to share an intention, right? And everybody tends to share intentions that relate to their own healing. So people will say, you know, I, I wish to find patience or I wish to find healing around my sexual trauma or I wish to find ease in my day-to-day life. And all of these intentions are, are admirable and totally legitimate. But when you think about how people are using plant medicines in indigenous communities in the Amazon, they're not setting intentions for their own personal healing because there is no division between personal, communal, and planetary healing. Your wellness as a human being is intimately tied to the wellness of all the people around you and to the ecosystem that you're a part of. And so psychedelics are a really powerful way to consider the perspectives of other cultures who have a deep reverence for the planet that we're living on. You're talking about how it's for the greater good because we're all connected. The only times that I've been reminded about that is when I've been tripping because otherwise I am self-centered as fuck and I feel like if I work on myself and I make myself a better version of me, I can use myself as an example for other people to hopefully be affected by. What you're talking about is exactly how I feel on shrooms, and I really appreciate you being able to vocalize that. Mm. Well, there's like something to be said for that is, so I kind of got into psychedelia like through reading Aldous Huxley when I was in college, and I read The Doors of Perception, and then I read Heaven and Hell, and I had never used psychedelics before, and like I felt like, okay, I read the like, it's like reading a travel book and then going to Paris or wherever. Like I did this whole research paper for a class on psychedelics basically before I'd ever tripped and then I started tripping after that and you know one thing that he said was like when you and the science I'll talk about in a second we'll back this up but like one thing is like if you go through like all the different like religious places in the world where there are like sparkling temples or you know like whatever churches like everything's kind of glittering and the art is already sort of psychedelic in these places and then you know it's really like Um, reflective of like the actual psychedelic experience like what you might see like through these substances and then so it's like there's sort of this like unified experience that's happening when you're high enough on psychedelics like everyone's kind of like having this oneness that they don't normally get to tap into if they're not using them if they unless they're like an avid meditator or prayer person or whatever but um yeah what's really interesting is like i read that like 10 years ago with huxley and then through my reporting kind of getting to do the things that i would want to do anyways which is talk to weird people about weird things um (laughs) or or really interesting smart professors about these novel um uh synthetic medicines based in old school um traditional medicine but um science has now found a way or found a way to um qualify what the mystical experience is so there's a whole list of um of traits that qualify for like having a a god type spiritual experience and that's and that's the mechanism for healing that people are experiencing in psychedelic research um i've never read that list yeah but i guarantee if i read that list i'd be like oh shit that is the official list it is a universal list of truth through science yeah like yeah, I was going to say I have a lot of friends who work with end-of-life care, hospice care, um, cancer patients who are, you know, finding finding those last few months and the ease that some of them have found with uh, experience, 
experiences with psilocybin specifically have given that sense of oneness that I think does help you come to terms with not only why we're all here, but what's happening to all of us as we go elsewhere. And that for me has been my greatest healing with psychedelics has been um, about loss of people who are no longer here. Like it's helped me greatly with grief, just on my own, you know, in my own path. And that's been really interesting and really, after using it recreationally to have a great time at festivals or listen to music, <laughs> then to also realize that it was helping me recover from something uh, was huge. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't go to it for a lesson. It just sort of arrived at a time when I needed it, which I think is also the very like, yeah, man, it comes to you when you need it kind of idea about psychedelics. But yeah, I think but it's also very true. I, the lessons I've learned the best were the ones I didn't expect. If right. I was told what I was supposed to learn, ooh, that slipped right out the ears. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I always say that when I trip, I go in with questions and I come out realizing my questions were too small. <laughs> what, what does that mean? It means that we move through the world concerned about things all the time, mm -hmm. and it's easy to lose sight of what's important. And psychedelics, for me, but not just psychedelics, many different religious tools, meditation, prayer, etc., are a mechanism to ground and to remember our values. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that one of them isn't money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, money isn't a bad thing. <laughs> no, um, yeah, one of them is, is not money. It's You're not fa family and friends and health and all those things that we already know but lose sight of. I think something that uh, I wanted to know before I had a psychedelic experience was uh, what, what did I have to be scared of? I think a lot of people are very concerned about uh, tripping correctly, accessing it correctly, having a safe time, all that kind of stuff. Can you tell us about your research into that and or personal experiences with that situation? Like with people being afraid of? Uh, being afraid of and then perhaps like having an uncomfortable experience when you're undergoing a psychedelic, you know, a trip. Yeah, so I mean the first thing is set and setting and I wish especially now as you know more places are decriminalizing or considering it psychedelics are just going to be like or mushrooms or whatever they're considering are just going to be more available and there's going to you know there's going to be less stigma which is amazing but also like it doesn't mean it's less casual so um set and setting for people who may be listening and don't know um set is like your mental set so like what is going on psychologically are you in a good mood a bad mood like are, are you in a I don't know, did someone die? Or are you really happy? Whatever. And then setting is like who you're doing it with, like in all the other sort of factors of your life. Do you have Swedish fish? Yeah. That's part <laughs> of the setting. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, right. So what do you do if you, ha if you have a bad... If people... Okay. The rhetoric was also moving away from quote unquote bad trips. Uncomfortable experiences. Uncomfortable what experiences. I've been yeah. So psychedelics are scary. And I think that it's a serious decision to do a psychedelic and that not everybody should do a psychedelic. And even if you should do a psychedelic, you shouldn't do a psychedelic all the time. And which psychedelic you do, you should think carefully about because there's many different kinds and there's many different doses and there's many different ways. Sounds overwhelming. It's, yeah, I mean, psychedelic researchers and therapists who are priming people for clinical trials with psilocybin and other psychedelics talk a lot about this idea of surrender or 
if something is coming up for you during the trip to not run from it and say, oh, no, 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 that's scary or that's uncomfortable, but to actually go towards it because that is where the healing is. Someone mm-hmm. says the only way out is through. I've heard, have you, I don't know yes. who says that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you, a, it's a thing. You, co-sign that shit. Yeah. <laughs> At Double Blind, something that we're very committed to covering is sort of the responsible use of psychedelics as well as all of the protocols that are popping up around psychedelic therapy because not everybody needs what we call an integration therapist but yeah I'm going to tell you what that is but there is a whole emerging field now called psychedelic integration therapy and basically what it is is it's therapists who specialize in preparing people for going through and processing psychedelic experiences. And there is a pretty ubiquitous belief at this point within the research community that a huge amount of the healing that comes from the psychedelic experience is not just the trip itself, but quote unquote, we call it the work that you do after the trip. So you meditate or you journal or you dance or you swim or you go see a therapist. But the idea is that worst case scenario, you experience something uncomfortable And you never fully process it. And then you come out of your trip feeling worse than you did before you went into the trip, which isn't that you shouldn't have done it, but you just need support and you don't have it. Mm. And best case scenario is that you, I don't want to say best case scenario, but a common case scenario is that you trip and you have all these revelations and you're like, oh my God, I need to start exercising or I need to start sleeping more. I need to call my mom more or I have this unresolved pain around my breakup from seven years ago that I thought I was over eight and eight years ago that I <laughs> thought whatever. I was over eight and a half. You're eight, counting, eight, aren't you? It should maybe it's eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, 17 but, you know, <laughs> but an integration therapist or an integration circle, which is popping up in popularity in, in major cities. There's lots of places where you can go and basically just sit in a circle and talk with other people about your trip can help you to hold on to those revelations and to really integrate them that's where the word comes from into your life so that you get the most you possibly can out of your psychedelic experience i dig that so much and i wish that i wish everyone would do it because i really do feel like there's that you know that college age psychedelic experience that you have that you feel like it shifted the tectonic plates but the all the buildings kind of just you know stayed the same a little bit you needed to do some work on the the adult buildings on the facade and the well I don't know what the fucking extended metaphor is that I'm using it's terrible but you know <laughs> everyone knows what I mean I was like tectonic plates shifting until we got shifting. to adult buildings have you seen Inception <laughs> yes <laughs> no but you know what I mean it was like I feel like I saw that five years ago oh it was actually a terrible movie that was just great if you were super high ah. yeah yeah. Like so many of them, though. I mean, that's every right. movie. Are you kind to yourselves? Are you proud? Is this like, was it when you saw this printed, were you like, oh shit, it begins? Or are you like, hey, we can take a moment and kind of feel ourselves a I little? I mean, I cried when I held the first copy. Yeah. I did, really. But then I wiped off the tears and said, go, oh, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> did you, did you like take yourself out to dinner or do anything nice to, to toast yourselves? We were both at conferences. So Shelby was in Spain at the World Ayahuasca Conference and I was in San Francisco at Queering Psychedelics and it felt like, like a baby shower or something. I don't know. So many people coming up to us and talking to us about the magazine and like seeing that now this like physical thing that's like 
out out of our heads and in the world is getting and, you know is changing things for people and I think like you know they're responding well and telling us about it what did you learn making this magazine <laughs> uh we learned that printing is really expensive mm, word. <laughs> there's no way around it um what else what did you learn Madison um <laughs> about Making a magazine. Um, I learned that you get car sick trying to edit it in the backseat. <laughs> coming back from Joshua Tree. Uh, we did a shoot a couple weeks or a couple months ago at this point, like an editorial thing. And on our way back, we were just sitting with our computers in the back seat, like edit, going over copy edits and like the most like micro, micro level edits oh, for the, yeah. this magazine. Oh, yeah. So did you barf? No. Uh, from a journalism perspective, I'll say that putting something in print is scary, especially when you don't have, you know, a fact-checking team the way that the New York Times does. Because Madison and I hold ourselves to a very high standard, having gone to, you know, journalism school at Columbia and having these mentors who are veterans in the field and editors in all of these well-respected magazines all across the country. We, you know... We, we want to make sure every single statistic was accurate, every single date, every single name. Does someone have a PhD? Do they have an, what's an MSW? What's their, I mean, there's so many little facts and little things to consider. And I think that, you know, that was, that was a, a shock. I mean, up until, I mean, you know, the day before we were supposed to go to print, Denver decriminalized psilocybin and we're like shit because that was you know it's all over this all over the magazine that they were about to decriminalize so we're like hold the press oh wow <laughs> you know I mean that's real though I was gonna ask as you know so as investigative journalists and committed psychedelic activists do you feel like you're striking a balance between uh platform and resource um I mean, okay, I think to be a beat reporter and pretend as if you don't have an opinion on the thing that you're thinking about every moment of the day is just a false pretense. And I've said this about myself as a cannabis reporter, living in California, having voted for Prop 64, stuff like that. And I, you know, you know, I haven't had an opportunity yet to vote on psychedelics, but like, <laughs> you know, decriminalize California is going to maybe happen. Who knows? Um, you know, we do have opinions. It doesn't mean, though, that like this isn't this is not like an opinion editorial magazine. And even if like the foundation of what Shelby and I think, which is that psychedelics have a lot of healing potential, like that's actually at this point, this is more of a fact than an opinion. <laughs> but <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really like we see also in cannabis, for instance, like uh, cannabis company or cannabis media companies are taking advertisements and stuff like that from the cannabis space and does that mean they can't report fairly on cannabis like that's something that i've been influenced by that shelby's also like worked in cannabis is you know and that's like we don't want necessarily to compromise our ability to like see the industry clearly and to hold them accountable just because we're, we also support you know some sort of law reform or whatever mm -hmm. I think that Madison and I also feel sorry to talk for you, Madison. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that Madison and I both feel that being gung ho psychedelics all the time for everyone is also, and similarly, being cannabis all the time for everyone right. is not actually in the best interest of the movement because right. 
that is just not true. Not everybody should be doing psychedelics all the time and not everybody should be smoking cannabis all the time. And so for us, you know, I think that we can be pro-psychedelic, which we are, and also report on these things in a fair and honest way and say, you know, if you have a history of schizophrenia in your family, you probably shouldn't do a psychedelic. Or, you know, if you had a really powerful psychedelic experience last weekend, you should probably meditate for a couple weeks before considering doing a psychedelic again. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just, there's responsible use and and there isn't. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I I like the idea of like thinking of everything you're talking about as tools that all fit together because everybody, I think when they hear about, I don't even just talk about my parents, Um, when, not my dad, my mom, because I don't think she's ever experienced psychedelics, Um, but she thinks of it as a very singular thing instead of a part of a whole package the way you're talking about it like a lunchable you don't just buy a lunchable for the crackers you want the meat you want the brownie so you gotta kind of like think of it as a part of a whole and i really like hearing about that well it's like a you know people call meditation a practice right and that's like a whole sort of that's a piece of becoming more mindful generally and psychedelics are sort of like the um like crash course maybe and then you know the idea is like applying what you've learned or applying that little piece of like you know that psychedelic little glimmer that you have when you're tripping and like how how can you extend that and really allow it to like lift up your life when you're when you're not tripping necessarily so like you know the with ramdas for instance who started his research as richard albert at harvard with timothy leary he had tripped so many times and you know, he got to a certain point where he um, where he wasn't satisfied by it anymore. And so he goes to India and he met with his guru Maharaji and he he stopped with the psychedelics pretty much and, you know, came back to the West as Ram Dass and wrote Be Here Now, which was a totally life changing book for a lot of people. And a lot of people also credit Ram Dass with sort of introducing the West or, you know, American culture or whatever to yoga or to meditation or to all these other practices that you know even for Ramdas came out of a psychedelic inclination but really now how are we able to you know spread that out over just the course of our lives and living mindfully as a whole mm-hmm. like I remember the first time I tripped I was coming down toward the end of the trip and I was like a little depressed because it was really the best day of my life but I'm like but why do I need mushrooms to have something that's to have something so magical happen to mm-hmm. me yeah. Yeah. And I Yo. think that's honestly so many people's experience because they don't know to put it with a practice of any kind, some sort of spiritual or meditative practice to sort of cement that work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you got to stretch after you go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to prepare, you know, if you're going to go on a marathon, you know, whether it's like a 13 hour acid trip or whatever, like maybe if you are, you know, start meditating a little bit before just to sort of prime your mind a little bit mm-hmm. for you know it's your mind also is its own kind of muscle i think and you know especially when you're like throwing yourself into what could be like a very spiritual experience or just some sort of heavy experience like how are you mentally going to prepare for that or or heartfully also like i've had psychedelic guides i said how can i mentally prepare and they're like no no dude like this isn't about your head this is about like your heart and your Mm -hmm. gut and stuff like that and you know like in my daily life like i'm not i'm way too you know I'm way too much in my head so it's 
how can you drop into like more of like a full body kind of feeling mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so great to talk to both of you this is so cool yeah to have an open honest conversation with two people who are deep in the game and also know who they are well enough to execute something on a high level about it mm. is a really cool feeling i'd like to talk about your font game Oh my God, the font. The font game is strong in I this know. magazine. It's called Recoletta. It's a, it's a beautiful font. It's very specific. We went through a, a lot of a lot of pain to get the font. Um, so we don't have to go through it. I, I, hey, if it's a too tragic like Bambi, the beginning. I mean, graphic designers will know the whole thing about finding how did you. Does anyone, do anyone listening know how many fonts exist? Do you know how many fonts exist? Do you know how many fonts we had to look through before we found this font? And by the way, once we found the font, then we found out that the font isn't compatible with MailChimp or Avery or any of the platforms we use. So it's in the magazine and it's on our website. But sorry if you ordered a magazine. <laughs> your your address is not in Recoletta. Yeah, we, we tried. We tried. <laughs> we tried to make our mailing cards in Recoletta, and it just was a. <laughs> There's no plug-in. Oh man. Do you know how? No. Oh, you don't want to know how many hours I wasted trying to merge Recoletta font into this. Avery mail <laughs> There aren't enough there's not enough weed in the world probably. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. This is amazing. Yeah, so anyway, thanks for noticing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beautiful. It really is. This is sexy. The page the page is uh it's a good heft to the page. It feels expensive. It's I really like it. Gorgeous. And the idea of like front and back, front and back, mm-hmm. real savvy. Mm. And is this going to be a quarterly magazine? Biannual. Great. June and December then yeah. this yes. year. Okay, yes. great. Look out for us mm-hmm. in December. Great. Just in time to stuff those uh, whatever it is that you hang above, whatever it is that you hang things on. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you're if your grandma or like your mom or, you know, anyone like that, you know, might want to read about psychedelics, you could get them a copy of Double Blind yeah. for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever We're also in stores. We're at Skylight Books in Los Feliz, Quimby in Brooklyn, Quimby's. Quimby's Quim- in Williamsburg. In Williamsburg. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Gigi's maybe? Gigi's in Bushwick. And the glitter- I know we're missing some. The Glitter Box in New Orleans. I don't know. Go on our website. Yeah. Doubleblind.com. Heck yeah. I have a question I'd like to ask. I don't know if it's... I don't want to end on anything if you got another end No, on. please. Uh, you. I'm stealing it from you though, Mary Jane. So I have to give you full credit. Do you want to whisper it in my ear and then I'll ask it? Uh, yeah, but across the table so they still yeah. hear it. Okay, no, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that perfect psychedelic experience. What's that kit look like? That starter pack? What's that music? Trip what's kit. that? What's the trip kit? <laughs> okay, um, I've thought about the trip kit. Uh, for me, I would for sure have sunglasses because I always I don't like sunglasses in general, but when I'm tripping, I do like to see the world through sunglasses. But I mean, more seriously, I think a trip kit should have something like a journal, a blanket, um, maybe some gum or, or oranges also. Um, yeah. What would you put in your trip kit? Well, the first thing I'll say is that you can always do more psychedelics, but you can't do less. So <laughs> if you're doing psychedelics by yourself with some friends, say acid or mushrooms, take half what you think you need and put the other half in your trip kit in case you need it in a couple hours. 
Uh, also water, of course. Food. 5-HTP. 5-HTP is, is a that? supplement for, and people typically yeah. take it after, after MDMA, MDMA to integrate. Is that something you can get over the counter if you're going to Life is Beautiful in September? Yeah, <laughs> you so, can get yeah. that over the counter. It's just a supplement. I also will keep some, like a CBD pen with me if I'm like starting to feel anxious or something. Mm-hmm. Although we do have a story coming out uh, in a couple months that's going to be looking at should you slash can you use cannabis while mm-hmm. tripping and if so, how? I found that 10 milligrams of THC greatly enhanced my psilocybin experience. Mm. I really enjoyed that. The one time I did it. The one time. I don't know if I would recommend it again. Because it was too much fun. Uh, no, because it was so intense. Yeah. Oh. The, yeah, the, the can, cannabis can make you trip harder. It deeply yeah. intensified it. Yeah, yeah for it me. Can, it can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> cannabis will like make any trip more intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> experience yeah it was a lot yeah (laughs) I thought I was done and then I smoked a little weed and I was like rolling again for a few hours so oh oh so maybe it's a it's also a double trip if you're like having the time of your life and you want to extend that lane yeah I remember I was I'd done some uh, LSD like substance and thought I was done and I smoked a joint and then the carpet was breathing and Pink Floyd turned into colors so how nice yeah it was great by the way Pink Floyd is that the one what's in the earbuds is there earbuds? Because you have to have a screen in your hand. Oh, well, yeah. I'll say, bringing it to a more serious note again, <laughs> that music is super important when you're tripping. And if you're sitting in a traditional ceremony like an ayahuasca ceremony, there's um, tunes that are said to come from the plants themselves that have been traditionally sung and performed in South America. And it really shapes your experience when you are journeying. Um, additionally, if you are interested in checking out a playlist that was created by some researchers in clinical trials, I'm pretty sure you can just Google like Bill Richards, psychedelic music, Johns Hopkins, something or other. It should come up. Some of the researchers who have been doing this forever and ever have put together playlists that they give to people while they're, um, in the clinical trial. Sign me the fuck up, science. How yeah. cool is that study? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to kind of, you know, guide you through the experience, ease you in and guide you through. This has been really fun. Yeah, yeah. it right? has been. Thank yeah. you guys so much. This is such an exciting, cool project, venture, launch, uh, achievement. Huge. I feel like it's, it's a, you're setting a, a massive standard for everyone to live up to in the world of uh publishing and psychedelic research and uh writing it's very cool yeah i'd like to add one thing to that um also the getting up out of meditation immediately taking action and then following through and finishing that's amazing (laughs) the idea of just like not overthinking it and delaying the choice to reach out to her is so like specific of like we just gotta go and you didn't think twice and you just made the choice to do something right away yeah i mean if you know you you know if you know in your heart that you need to do something just do it yeah words to live by words to end on right words to end on that was it (laughs) dang another mic drop all our mics are gone (laughs) thank you so much for having us thank you guys it's been a real pleasure yeah it's fun bye everybody bye 